I had a dream last night uh, where I was, uh, I came into a storehouse and I went into, back into the kids' room and um, it was on fire. Like, and I was like, oh, it's on fire, you know? And, but the thing about this fire is I could go into the room with the fire and I could also come out. And then the other place that was on fire was the worship room. And so these two rooms were on fire. I've never had a, a dream where there was like a fire. Um, and in the, in the uh, dream, I didn't know whether it was good or it was bad. And then I woke up and I thought, hmm, I think that's, good. I think that's a good thing. So uh, it, it's actually interesting because I'm actually going to carry on the theme of this little light of mine this morning. Um, I knew that's what they were singing about, but I kind of forgot, you know, because it, it was a while ago. So I want to tell you a great story this morning. How many of you, before I start, have been here for the Zerubbabel teachings? Raise your hand. Okay, for those of you that have not, you don't, if you don't know who Zerubbabel is, Zerubbabel uh, led the second exodus and he built the second temple. A lot of us know who uh, Solomon is. And David, you know, who built the first temple. And we, of course, know Moses, who led the Exodus. But this guy actually did both. So he's actually a very important person. And his temple, in fact, is, is one of the most important temples for this generation. And I'm going to explain to you why. So um, this is my, uh, my heart is, to, uh, is not to raise up an audience, but is to raise up an army. So if, if, if you love uh, 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 milk, this is not milk today. I am going to be throwing lamb chops at you. You're going to get hit in the face with a couple of ribeyes. So praise the Lord. Get out your steak knives. So I, I want you to really try to follow along. If anybody doesn't understand, it's okay. Just raise your hand or uh, we can speak later. But I encourage you, if this is, this is the fourth installment and the last of the Zerubbabel teachings. This is so prophetic and here's why. You know everything I do, it flows from heaven. So fun, fun, fun. All right, let me tell you about this. Go big or go home, right, people? And there's Lisa, changing the nation of Honduras. All right, um, so uh, bear with me. In uh, March of 2016, somebody came to me. Uh, it was my daughter, actually. She came to me, and she said, hey, I had a dream about you. And in the dream, you and um, Kristen Hickman were pregnant. Well, she didn't know this, but I knew that Kristen Hickman was pregnant. And, and nobody else knew. It was one of those things where, you know, they shared with us and, and we were going to wait a while to announce it to everybody else. But anyway, she, she said, I had this dream that you two were pregnant at the same time and you actually gave birth at the same time and, and you gave birth on December 18th, which is today. And, uh, and I don't know how many of you know, but I've been carrying a spirit baby. I know that sounds kind of strange for some of you that, that don't know me, but um, for those of you that do, you're like, oh, yeah, she's having another baby. <laughs> um, anyway, I've been carrying this baby for 18 years. So it's good I'm having this baby today. I'm like, for the love, how long, oh, God, how many of you have ever been there, right? <laughs> you're like, come on. I need to get this thing going. Uh, so anyway, 
but, but uh, Kristen and Richard go to the doctor and find out that they are due on December 18th. Now, what's even more exciting about that is I had no idea that I was going to be teaching from the pulpit on Zerubbabel's baby. I had no idea that I was going to be teaching on Zerubbabel's temple. But in uh, late August, early September, a prophet came to me and said, the Lord says that you are not to hold on to this revelation until your book comes out. I'm writing a book on it. But the Lord said, you are to release this word now. This has to come now, which is so exciting because Cyrus is the one that initiated the building and the rebuilding of the temple of Zerubbabel. And, and we all know the whole Trump prophetic Cyrus thing. So we know that when there's a Cyrus in the land, there's about to be an exodus and there's about to be a temple rebuilt. So much so that the Sanhedrin council in, in Israel was praying for, for the Lord told them that Trump was going to be like a foreign king in the spirit of a Cyrus. And so they were fasting and praying that he would win because they believe that it's going to initiate the rebuilding of the third temple in Jerusalem. Guys, I'm telling you, the Lord is on this. All right, so that what's so exciting about this is, um, is uh, several months later, after I told uh, Richard about this dream, he said, Tracy, you're never going to believe this. You need to open up your Bible to um, Haggai. Let me get this baby going. Um. You need to open up your Bible to Haggai because, guys, you may have to do this automatically. Richard, can you help me? There it is. Okay. Um, because, um, and turning your Bibles, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Haggai. And let's read this together. It's so exciting. All right, you guys know, um, and I'll, t I'll take you through a little of the prophetic history in a minute. And again, this is going to be... Um, uh, it's going to be fast moving. All right, let me tell you what was going on in Haggai, okay? So Haggai and Zechariah are the two prophets that the Lord called to rebuild the temple or reinitiate the building of the temple. Because whenever God is moving, what he's going to do, if anything has become stale or stalled or is in, the, in a pause or is in error, God will bring his prophets to prophesy to reinitiate the building of your temple and the temple, okay? And so what happened with Haggai is Haggai in chapter 1, um, you can see that he addresses the people of God, chapter 1, verse 6, and he says this, uh, let's start in 5. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat and you do not have enough. You drink and you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. He who earns wages earns wages and puts it into a bag with holes. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then he says this in verse 9, You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. 
And so basically what he's saying is you've been trying to build according to your own mind. You've been building in a humanistic way. You've been trying to get to what God has for you in your own strength and in your own might. And he said, so therefore I caused it to come to nothing. You worked and you worked and you worked and you were actually still under the curse of labor and you were not entering into the rest of the Lord. But he said, but now I want you to fast forward and I want you to read this. For those of you that have, um, go to the next slide or let me see if I can make this work. Go to the next slide. Oh, okay. Wait, go back. Go back. Um, Okay, so this is what he said. Um, in the New Living um, Translation, he says this in Haggai 2, verse 21 through 23. He says this, but on December 18th, on December 18th, but now this day I will bless you. And he goes on to say, on that same day, December 18th, the Lord sent this second message to Haggai. And he said, tell Zerubbabel, the governor of Judah, that I am about to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones and destroy the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overturn their chariots and riders. The horses will fall and their riders will kill each other. But when this happens, says the Lord of armies, I will honor you, Zerubbabel, son of Shatil my servant I will make you like a signet ring on my finger says the Lord for I have chosen you the Lord of the heavens army has spoken now when I started this series I had no idea that I would finish it today I don't know if you guys are aware, but I had said we had several guest speakers come in and they just kept like getting in line of my Zerubbabel message. And I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. I really want to release this word. But the Lord kept pushing me back and pushing me back till finally on December 18th, there's an opening in as I'm a guest speaker in my own house practically. <laughs> and I'm like, finally. But then the whole thing lined up supernaturally that on that day, God said, today you're going to give birth and it's going to come through your mouth, fortunately for you. (laughs) All right. um, So here's what I want to do. I want to give you the overarching. Here's the summation of Zerubbabel's temple. Let's go to the next slide. Here's the summation. If Zerubbabel's temple is a prophetic symbol of the temple of man, the kingdom of sons and daughters who rule and reign with Christ when functioning in the governmental authority of God as both priests and kings. That's really what uh, Zerubbabel's temple was all about. uh, All of the words that were spoken over this temple never came to pass. All of the promises and the prophetic by Haggai and Zechariah never came to pass with the third temple. And I mean the second temple. In fact, this was the temple that they said that the glory of God would dwell in this temple. And it would be greater than the former. The latter rain greater than the former rain. Come on, guys. And, 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 but th- this was the temple that rejected Jesus. This is the temple whose veil was torn and altar split in two. So we know something's amiss. We know something's up, but we know something's going on. 
All right, so I spent the last three messages on Zerubbabel's temple sharing about, number one, who he is. Number two, the history of when he lived. Number three, why Cyrus came to initiate the building and how other, you know, another Cyrus and President Trump and blah, 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 blah. I went over all of that. And today I'm basically going to summarize why Zerubbabel's temple is important to you and how God is making you into this temple in this generation. Listen, I haven't been carrying this baby for uh, 18 years for nothing. God sovereignly, go to the next slide. He sovereignly broke in on my life. As most of you know, I was a businesswoman making kids' meal toys for, for our Happy Meal toys. Yeah, I was called the queen of crap. And um, <laughs> my toys, I made more toys than Mattel, $40 million a month, but my toys only had to have like a three-minute play value. Woo! <laughs> so I was responsible for all of those little toys under your car seats and under your beds. You're welcome. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, beginning in 1999, the Lord basically broke in, and I heard, you know, here I was minding my own business, wearing black all the time, D Magazine, you know, um, trying to make a living, or uh, a baby. <laughs> John was like, and you haven't made any money since. I've been making gold. All right. So anyway, uh, so the Lord broke in one day, just getting ready for work, whatever. I've got, a, I've got a, a conference call with the vice president of Disney, you know, and all of a sudden the Lord breaks in and he says, rebuild my temple. And I'm like, what? I'm not Jewish. So anyway, then I start going into, he keeps saying that to me, rebuild my temple, rebuild my temple. I go into an open trance where I see uh, the whole 911 scenario. This was two years before it happened. And the Lord said, he told me the date, he told me 9-11. He was actually talking about the, the rebuilt temple of Amos 9-11 and Hebrews 9-11, which is the rebuilt temple not made with human hands or the temple of the new man. And then I asked him about this. I saw the whole scenario of 9-11 uh, just really tragically. And um, I asked him why. And, um, and the audible voice of the Lord said, it's about Babylon. Go to the next slide. All right. Uh, then he said, basically, later he goes, listen, I want you to rebuild Zerubbabel's temple. I'm like, Zerubbabel who? I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I know Moses, but this, this guy isn't, you know, nobody knows who this guy is. So anyway, uh, fast forward, uh, several angelic visitations and Jesus appearing to different prophets in the land that said the, the plumb line, or and the plumb line is the truth, is now in the hand of Zerubbabel. All right, so if God is rebuilding an Old Testament temple, you got to ask yourself, God, what's up? There's something to this, and there's something that we're carrying as a house, as a people, as a city that God is wanting to give birth to unto something. It's not unto nothing. He doesn't send none of all of this. We had signs in the heavens, and I went through that the past three uh, teachings, we had signs in the heavens and on the earth that just, again, continue to reiterate this. It was crazy. And then I had the dream that said, you're not Zadok priests. That's the Old Testament priest that kept the fire on the altar day and night. But he said, but you are the house of Zerubbabel, governmental authority. And in fact, we used to be called the house of Zerubbabel until I realized that nobody, including my staff, could spell it. So I thought, okay, this has got to go. Yes, it's with two B's. So anyway, actually, yeah, three B's. Two B's in a row. Three B's. All right, uh, so that was a pretty good summary, don't y'all think? <laughs> what, what am I at? Ten minutes? Okay, we're doing good. All right, uh, next slide. All right, so here's the thing about this temple. 
Jesus said in Zechariah 4 that Zerubbabel is going to lay the foundation of this temple, but his hand will also finish it. So as a generation, when God begins to speak about Zerubbabel again, we know that he's talking in two different ways. He's talking to the church and the history of the church, and he's also talking to you personally. So when I tell you about Zerubbabel's temple, I'm going to be talking both. I'm going to, not going to be either or, but it's both and, okay? So what happened is that with the first church, Jesus came and through the apostolic and the prophetic, he laid the foundation. What does that mean, the apostolic and the prophetic? It means that he laid the foundation through heaven's words. That there are people, the apostolic and the prophetic, they hear and they see and they begin to bring down and lay a foundation so that the church can stand on a foundation of the substance of heaven, okay? And then what happened is that there, even during the time of the first church, Peter, Paul, uh, uh, Jude, Timothy, they were all talking about the fact that Jesus had only been gone for like... 20, 30, 40 years, and already seeds of deception were beginning to seep into the church and into the doctrine of the church and causing the grace of God to be turned into licentiousness. And I mean, there were all kinds of ways that they were trying to twist the, the doctrine of the kingdom and make it something other than the truth of what it was. And so the truth of what it was is that these people were became... Uh, different creations and it so it was about who you were and not about where you went but what happened is through all of these seeds of deception coming in it created another religion and so what happens with religion is it denies the power of God and so therefore the advancement of the church was stalled for about 2,000 years and the church grew a little but certainly nothing to the degree that it did during the first generation that carried the word of God. And so you saw like a pause that happened. And, but then now God is once again speaking, saying, I'm releasing the prophetic in the land. Now, you know when something is happening, when you begin to see God introducing a couple of things to the body of Christ again. It's not unto nothing. And so what God is doing is he's saying, wake up bride. And so a prayer movement has swept the earth. And this isn't because somebody said, I've got a great strategy. Hey, let's do this. But God, this is God. He's realigning his people that they would go away to their first love. Why? Because he's looking for the prophetic and the apostolic again. He's beginning to stir his people up and awaken the eyes of the forerunners, the remnant who will go before the body of Christ and begin to say, there is a capstone and a finishing work that God is doing and we must get into alignment with it. So God is raising up a generation, or right now, it's just kind of, it's just now starting to happen. Like these forerunners, you are beginning to grab hold of this going, heaven is coming. We see in heaven. We see in heaven. We're accessing heaven. Guys, we have to all go through the door. We have to hear and then bring what is in heaven down to the earth. Amen. 
All right, so we know that the temple of Zerubbabel was symbolic because nothing of what was prophesied about it ever happened. The foundation and the capstone are built in the apostolic and prophetic, meaning open heavens. All right, the master builder did two things. He always laid the foundation and the capstone, and then the workers built the walls, which is what's been going on over the last 2,000 years. Um, okay, wait, lost my... Uh, uh, number four... This is, a this is a corporate word for the history of the church and a personal word for you personally. Go to the next slide. Because God said this, I'm faithful. Yeah, right. <laughs> you are the temple of the living God. All right, so what happens is that God breaks in over you, and you guys will realize this. He breaks in, and when he breaks in, he does it with a flood. It's just like, hey, I, when a guy starts to date you, right, he is pursuing you hardcore, right? And that's kind of the way God is. I mean, there's just this season of like, whoa, everything is amazing. God is good. God is good, and God is always good. But then something happens, you know. It's that, that time in between the fulfillment of a lot of the things that you have, the capstone, the things that God is doing, the completion of the work, he is faithful to finish what he starts in us, and he starts it in the foundation, and he's faithful to bring the finished work. But in between, that's a little bit of a, a, a trying time for us. We like to call that the wilderness or eating uh, sand time. And uh, so you just chew on the sand, and you're like, Lord, how long? But that's really where we learn to be like Christ. That's where we really learn to get, get Tracy out and God in. Amen? Because the world don't need no more Tracy. They need a lot more of God in Tracy. <sighs> all right, let's go to the next slide. Um, all right, so the two key scriptures that I want to talk to you about is Zechariah 3 and Zechariah 4. Um, turn in your Bibles to Zechariah 4. Are y'all still tracking? Are you good? All right. Zechariah 4. It's right before the New Testament. All right. So, does the Lord, the, an angel comes to Zechariah. It says in verse 1, Now the angel who talked with me, came back and wakened me as a man who was wakened out of sleep, which means he wasn't actually sleeping. He was just in his sleepy uh, man eyes and um, needed his spirit eyes. And so he said to me, what do you see? He's, so I said, I'm looking at there is a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top of it, and on the stand seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one to the right of the bowl and the other to its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? And then the angel said, Don't you know? Blah, blah, blah. Let's go down. So he answered me, and he said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. This is really good news. Mountains of adversity are going to come down, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace, which means that there's a double door, a double door. Cyrus, it was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah to Cyrus. I'm going to give to you a double door, a double door, a double door. Everybody else for all the generations got a single door, but this capstone, this last generation, the finishing work is going to get a double dose of grace and you're going to do greater than even Jesus. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. 
then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven, that's the seven eyes of the Lord, rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. The plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, which is what the angels and Jesus himself appeared and said, the plumb line is now, now, say now, now. in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. All right, here's the, here's the meat of it. Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I answered and said to him, What are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two golden pipes which the golden oil drains? Then he answered to me and said, Don't you know? And, and so verse 14, here it is, drum roll. These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. All right. These are the two anointed ones. The two anointed ones, which are both uh, Zerubbabel and Joshua. Zerubbabel was a governor of Judah who was in the line of David. He was in the line of the kings. So he is a king. He was uh, the, the people in, that were in Babylon, the Jews that were taken into Babylonian captivity, they followed Zerubbabel back to build the temple because they thought he was going to reestablish the throne of David and sit on the throne of David. Beloved, he is in the line of the kings, all right? So then you have the priests, the high priests. So you have these two people building the temple. The high priest was Joshua. And he always speaks to Joshua, Zerubbabel, and the remnant of people, okay? So follow me here because here's what the Lord is saying to us. Here are the two anointed ones that stand beside the Lord of the whole earth or before the Lord of the whole earth. It is the priest and the king. As priests, we enter into the gates with thanksgiving, prayer, and worship. And as kings, we preach the gospel and we rule and reign through agreement with his words that we see in heaven. The, the visions that we see in heaven, the things that we see in heaven, kings bring them down to the earth. Revelation said this. I think it's Revelation 8. He said, listen, you send up incense with your prayers. I'm going to send down thunder and you guys are going to catch it. Okay? So that's really exciting. Go to the next slide. All right. A priest and a king. Revelation 1, chapter 6. John the Beloved have had a revelation of the revelation. Uh, he had a revelation of this, and he said this, To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Now, I want you to look at that word because he said, I am going to make you into my signet ring. That means when you've got the signet, when you have been made into the signet ring of the king, what happens? It means that nothing will stand against the things that you do and say. It is complete and total authority, just as Esther and Mordecai had, and just as, uh, who was the, uh, 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 Joseph. Joseph. So, so they took over the management of the kingdom, and they, on the king's behalf, they didn't have to go run back and say, hey, what do you think about this? They just did according to what they, the wisdom that the Lord was giving them. And what they did is they pushed the enemy back on every side. And there was tremendous advancing of the Jews during those seasons. Okay, go to the next slide. All right, this is what I love. Okay, let me paint the scenario. Here you are in Revelation 5, okay? You've got, you've got John the Beloved and he's watching 
God the Father who has a scroll in his hand. And, and he's saying, who can open the scroll? Who can open the scroll? And, and there's this song going on. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This song is on repeat. Ooh, it's going on. It's going on. It's going on for all of eternity up until this point. And John sees the scene unfold before him. And there are the 24 elders and the four living creatures, and they're singing the song, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. There they are. There they are. And all of a sudden, and they're crying. They're like, oh, you know, who is worthy? Who is worthy to take the scroll? And all of a sudden, on the scene comes the, the lamb as though it had been slain. And it approaches the father and grabs the scroll. And, he, and, and so it's like, whoa, 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 what just happened? And so the 24 elders fall down. They cast their crowns down. The four living creatures go, we're singing a new song because the lamb that was slain before the beginning of time has now come upon the scene to take the scroll. And so he broke it open. But what happened in heaven? They said there is a new song that we're now going to sing. And this is the song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Okay, so you redeemed us to God by your blood. That's the first thing. The second thing, and have, and, and, and wait, wait, where am I? Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we will reign on the earth. That word reign means this, to exercise the highest influence or to control, to have royal power and to become a king. Next slide. All right. So there was precedent for this because Jesus, only, only place in the Bible where the word forerunner is mentioned it's not given to John the Baptist. It's given to Jesus, that he was a forerunner. When you have a forerunner, it means that you have people that follow after in the very likeness of the way that he ran. What did Paul say? Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is like, imitate, imitate me as I imitate the Father. Okay? And so he say, get in, get in. You know, for those of you that are bikers, you get into the draft. You get into the flow, and you begin to draft behind Jesus, and you do what he does. And so it says in Hebrews 6.20 that Jesus came in as forerunner in the order of Melchizedek. It's a new priesthood that has now come upon the earth. Melchizedek was a king of Salem, Salem was soon became Jerusalem. It was named Jerusalem. It means king of peace and priest of the most high God. Guys, this is huge. So he came as both a king and a priest. But you have to understand that before that, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament temple, it was just the priest. It was like, hey, there ain't no mix in a church and state here. But what happened was when, when, uh, Rome came into, and, 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 and um, uh, Constantine came in. What he did is he said, listen, we're going to separate church and state. We're going ha- to separate the priest and the king again, and we're going to have a holy Roman empire. But see, God said, no, 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 no. They're supposed to be the same. 
You're both a priest and a king. Don't separate them out again because they're supposed to be one. And as long as they're, whenever they're one, there's power. But when there's not, there's not. Okay, go to the next slide. All right, so you've got these two branches of government. How many branches of government do you have in the U.S.? Come on. You've got three branches of government. In the government of God, you've got two branches. These two branches drip spontaneously oil into the candlestick, okay? So you've got these two branches of government. Without one of these branches, guess what happened? It's like you're running your race with one foot. You're hopping around, and you're going, hey, I'm a king, I'm a king, I'm a king. Oh, wait, which is what the majority of the body of Christ is. And honestly, it's like the sons of Sceva, where the demons are like, hey, Paul I know, Jesus I know, but who are you? And they jumped on him and, and beat him up. The demons jumped on him and beat him up. Why? Because they were trying to do the king thing without the priest thing, you know? I'm telling you, if you do not know God as a friend, as a lover, as, a, as intimate, as your bridegroom, then what's going to happen is you're going to go out there and you're going to try to do the stuff and nothing's going to happen. It's just the way that God made it. Uh, okay, next slide. So, governmental authority. Jesus spoke to this when he said about the church to um, Peter. He said the word ekklesia is the word translated church from the Greek. The word means the judicial, the legislative, and governmental people of God. It speaks to a people that have been granted legal positions on the earth and in heaven. I am telling you, this is absolute authority, absolute authority from God who said, I am the king of you. I'm the king of kings. You're supposed to be king. Okay, next slide. So he calls them the sons of oil. The sons of oil means the anointed ones. Christ is a, it's a title, it's not his name. His title was Christ, he was the Christ, means the anointed one. What does that mean? It means he's the oily one. He's the priest, he's the high priest. He was the one that was anointed, which basically means that you are Christ men and Christ women, that you are priests of the most high God, that you have now become oily, praise the Lord. This is the very thing that Jesus talked about when he said, when he talked about the parable of the wise virgins. And he said, who of you has oil in your lamp? Go to the next slide. Jesus is the lampstand. This is the very centerpiece of all that God has done from the beginning of time. In the Old Testament, Jesus, the lampstand, burned day and night, night and day, Okay. And it was, it, it burned because the people of the land brought sacrificially the oil to keep it burning. But Jesus came and he is now the oil that spontaneously out of us, as we function as both priest and king, the oil spontaneously keeps that light in us shining. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Go to the next slide. This is what David Barron um, said. He, David, David wrote an amazing a book, a commentary on the book of Zechariah. For those of you who are interested, I really encourage you to get it. 
Um, from God's point of view, the task of rebuilding Zerubbabel's temple on which they were engaged was because of it being a necessary step towards his purpose as set forth in the symbolism of the candlestick, the greatest and most important thing in the world and formed the center and motive of his providential dealings on the earth at that time. If it was so then, it is so now. He is looking for light. Go to the next slide. So, what's the first thing God said? Let there be light. He is really interested in seeing his sons be sons of oil or sons of light. You have these two little trees on the inside of you, and you've got that candlestick. As you uh, activate and you participate in these two branches of government, that you are a priest of the Most High God, as we say here, you access heaven, and then you take what is in heaven and you bring it down to transform the earth, you're actually creating light that's on the inside of you. Go to the next slide. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Great darkness will cover the earth. The Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles and kings will come to your light and the brightness of your rising. People say all the time, you know, I just need favor. I just need favor. I need breakthrough. And I'm like, dude, the, everything's already been paid for. I think what you need to do is go and spend more time with the Lord. And so, um, and that's, a, that's, a, that's an encouragement. Hear me, because that's an encouragement. Um, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And he also said, and you are the light of the world. He said, my messengers are to be flames of fire. You're supposed to be the fiery ones, the burning ones. The, uh, and, and, and so as we carry that light, then we will burn before the nations and the nations will actually come to us. Yeah! Now, here's what I want to tell you. If God is saying, I am releasing this, it means that there's an anointing for you. It, there, this anointing is available today, December 18th. So what I want to do is I want to pray for you to receive this and that the signet ring would come to us today and that we would begin to walk in this. Here are, um, uh, go to the next slide. Here are the elements the sons of oil will have. They will have the plumb line, the truth from heaven to the earth, there will be no more confusion in your building, but you will have clarity and you will know this is the way, walk in it. You will become the light of the world and dim light that's within you will begin to get brighter and brighter and brighter. You will be anointed for your purpose and your promise that God has made to you. You will operate in the seven spirits of God, ruling and reigning with Christ. And here's the thing. You will, when you function in this, push back the gates of hell and they will not prevail against you. I'm telling you, beloved, this is such good news. Many of you have already begun to see the shift and the breaking into these things. And I'm telling you, there's only more to come. 2017 is going to be straight up the mountain of God. And if you answer the call of God, I'm telling you, you answer this call, and that's especially to get away into um, your secret place. I'm telling you, um, um, there, it's, it's going to be greatness for you. The Lord told me on Thursday, he said, he showed me a picture of himself walking by the fig tree. 
and, and when the fig tree was blooming, but it wasn't producing fruit, and Jesus cursed the fig tree. And it's like, uh, the fig tree's just doing what the fig tree's supposed to do, you know. It's actually not the season for fruit. The, the, it had leaves on it, and, the, and, and it was coming into that season. But Jesus said, no, when I am moving, I expect my people, no matter what the earth season is, I expect my people to produce fruit through a supernatural means and not wait around for what the earth is doing. And I'm telling you, God is saying, I am about to overthrow the chariots and you better be producing supernatural fruit. And it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit. So he's saying, get in the place of prayer and let me do the work. Amen.